Hippocampus amygdala, baby. Today we're talking about memory. We're talking eternal sunshine. Oh, this bottle is bound, and it's gonna be super fun time. A super fun time. A time, 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 time. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show, everybody. Turn it up. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, bad, bad. Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science, I'm Ethan Edinburgh and today we're talking about one of my favorite films, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It won an Academy Award for Best Screenplay and originally was going to have a much longer title. Charlie Kaufman wanted to have a title that wouldn't fit on a marquee because he's insane and I love him. Anyways, I'm joined here by two brilliant men. First of all, we have actor and improviser and the coolest name that I think I've ever heard, Winston Carter. Hey, yeah. How's it going? It's cool as hell. Isn't it? I want that name. Yeah, I got. I lucked into it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, could have been a Maxwell. Could have been. Would have been okay as well. Maxwell still cool. Winston's a strong name. I Winston feel good Carter, about it. very yeah. cool. Thank you. It just sounds like you're smart, but also like slick. Yeah, I like. I like it to not match the rest of me. <laughs> is the goal. I've lived <laughs> my life to make sure that when people see me, they're like, "That's not what I thought." <laughs> In a job uh, interview, yeah. people are saying, yeah. "Clearly, you can't yeah. be Winston Carter." Yeah. You look like a man who could who face couldn't fit glasses. <laughs> so yeah, uh, great. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you being here, and uh, and and to your front. I was gonna say to your right, but really. It's yes. to my right. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, professor in the Department of Psychology at UCLA and the author of Better with Age, the Psychology of Successful Aging, Dr. Alan D. Castell. 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 Thank you. It's mm. great to be here. I probably should have asked you that before we started. <laughs> I should have told you. <laughs> and it rhymes with pastel. There it's you nice, go. It's easy way to castell. Uh, wonderful. Thank you for being here, my Alan. My pleasure. It's or great. should I call you Dr. Castell? Whatever you like, as long mm. as we keep it clean. What do you like, Winston? I, Dr. Castell. Dr. Castell. Yeah. Although now I'm challenged to not keep it clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I want to call I'm him. intrigued by that challenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll yeah, see no. how it goes. Um, but uh, but yeah, first of all, uh, let's, let's discuss your book here for a second because that seems fascinating. We were discussing very briefly before the pod that you were saying like forgetting is okay. And uh, I was reading some descriptions of your, your book. And so, so I guess just tell me, yeah, what the book is about. Well, it's about aging, and a lot of people get concerned and worried as we get older. And I think the first thing that people notice uh, are changes in memory. So actually, memory for names, that's a good example. We were all introduced, and my guess is 10, 15 seconds later, we've kind of forgotten names. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not me. I totally <laughs> have down right now, but... Uh, wasn't even 15 <laughs> seconds for me. <laughs> Don't know where I am. <laughs> so clearly, it happens at different rates, different people. And as we get older, there's just more stuff in there. Um, And so it's harder to remember names, and we tend to forget things that maybe don't matter as much. So even though a name might feel frustrating to forget, if we still remember different things like, you know, the guy was funny or, you know, he lives in my neighborhood or I can trust him, those are the kinds of things that might actually get better with age. So that's one theme of the book is kind of looking at attitudes and expectations about aging and then looking at some of the myths about aging because although there are a lot of challenges as we get older, it's not all downhill and there's a lot we can do and starting with attitude that um, can allow us to age well. Wow. Well, uh, that seems promising and a little comforting for me. I've expressed on the pod before, that's like my biggest fear is forgetting stuff about my life, uh, important things. And so if you can assure me by the end of the pod that I shouldn't be worried, that would be great. Well, I think that, you know, there's certainly things that we'll never forget. um, But forgetting is a natural part of uh, um, any sort of human brain memory system. Uh, So we're not like computers or video cameras. But we can rely on those if we do forget things. Okay, so that's what we can tell our friends when we forget their birthday or something. It's sure. like, hey, man, I'm not a computer. I'm not a video <laughs> camera. I'm a human. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to record everything you just said and then play it for my girlfriend regularly. <laughs> yeah, this is a yeah. doctor, okay? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know where I put your keys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I know you told me to remember, yeah. but Dr. Castell mm-hmm. said. Yep. Yeah, I remember his name. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So that sounds great. We should obviously read this book and mm-hmm. try to remember everything that's in the book. 
It's in the book, so you don't need to remember it. You just need to remember to read the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, and just maybe leave sticky notes on sure. where read this part over again. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so you're also, I, I, I don't know what your role is, but you're part of the Memory and Lifespan Cognition Lab. Can That's you correct. Tell me about that. That's a lab at UCLA that I run, and okay. we test memory. We look at how people remember things and also how people misremember. Whoa. Um, and that is kind of another aspect of forgetting. You know, sometimes we feel like we've forgotten something, but sometimes we remember things differently than they actually, you know, happened in the past. Absolutely. So one example I always give people are, you've seen the Apple logo millions of times, mm-hmm. so it yes. must be burned into memory, right? Sure. You know it very well. So if I asked you what side is the bite on? Oh, geez. This is scary. It's on the right side. And, That's what I was going to say. And if I asked you, is there a stem or a leaf, and which way does it point? I'm, I instantly doubt myself. I don't know if I should do that. I think there's a stem and it points left. Okay, I'll agree. See, so now we're using our memory in this kind of reasoning way. You know, you're not looking at it like it, you know, it was a picture in your head. You're thinking, oh, I think it's that way, or I'll agree okay. with this guy. He sounds confident. Well, his name's Winston. There you go. That's a genius. This, let me tell you, uh, bad idea to trust me. <laughs> well, I trust you more than yeah. me. So this is just one illustration and one yeah. demonstration that, you know, we've studied, and it shows that people, even if you've seen something thousands of times, you're, you're still prone to this misremembering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, our memory system is probably not set up to remember things precisely. Um, and even if we see something many times, sometimes that can lead to habituation where we stop noticing mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. details, probably because they're not important to us. And usually about now, people start checking their phones <laughs> to see what does that Apple logo really look like. Yeah, and, what does it look like? Well, I can tell you because I've had to memorize it, but I always get it wrong. Uh, the bite <laughs> is on the right. Oh. Um, there's no stem. <laughs> what? But there's a, le- there's a leaf. What? Wow, no stem. But I always think the leaf should point to the left because if the bite's on the right, I see the the leaf pointing to the left. That makes sense to me. So I'm using reasoning. Okay. But of course I'm wrong. Oh my Um, God. And the the leaf points to the right. Hot hell. Who decided this? (laughs) (laughs) So it shows just that even seeing something many times can kind of not lead to accurate memory. So if you saw something only a few times, you know, can that, you know, lead to accurate memory or is that also, you know, prone to misremembering? I Oh, it would be bad for the podcast if this destroyed my reality right now and I couldn't recover. Right? That would not be great. It broke your brain. Yeah, if I just spent the rest of the going like, Winston, what are you What are you doing? What is yeah. my life? I will say to uh, comfort you, you could be mistaken. I could be mistaken. Because and, and you've said you got it wrong many times. Yeah, I, you know, I'm so looking around the room for an Apple logo, but... I don't see one. Yeah. Um, you know, the point is these are things that probably don't matter to us. We, just because we see them all the time doesn't mean we have to remember them. But right. if, if you think, you know, memory should be accurate just because we've seen something many times, that that's not correct. And I think as we get older and even more experienced, we're better at overlooking details. Yes. And as a result, I'm we won't. very good at that. Yeah. And as we really get older, you know, 60, 70, 80, we might not remember things accurately. We might not remember details, but we kind of remember the gist or generally what happened. So I think it's just an interesting perhaps adaptive way that our memory works to forget some things, but really focus on remembering what's important. Okay. And we'll, we'll get to the movie, I promise everybody, but tell me how you test the way people are remembering things or re-remembering things. That Apple logo is one demonstration. We often show people lists of words or ask them to study faces and names and then give them some distractor tasks and then they start forgetting. What's a distractor Uh, task? Playing Tetris, doing something fun, something that takes your mind off. Wakeboarding? Sure. (laughs) Actually, wakeboarding. (laughs) We do know that exercise can actually help memory, so we try try and avoid fun things (laughs) like that. Um, But that's interesting. That's another thing that we've studied or, you know, how can you improve memory? And then, and then we test people's memory. We, ask, we show them, you know, some faces and ask, are these faces you've seen before? Or recall the words I just gave you? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what does this logo look like? And we look at how accurate people are and, and the mistakes they make. And we compare usually younger college-age students to older adults to look at how aging impacts that process. Okay. Is there any test you might run that involves, like, you show someone a list of names and then you put them in a room... Uh, with like a metal table and, and there's like one hanging light and then two detectives walk in <laughs> and one of them throws hot coffee in their face and yells at them. Yeah. Like, what are the names? 
James. Is that a thing? You know, that, that, that would be a fun experiment to do. We're all we're, in. we're under ethical constraints doing research at, at a university setting. But Mild we, temperature. But we are interested in, <laughs> yeah. in stress. And Ice there, there are ways to induce mm. stress. Yeah. You know, even just telling people they'll have to do a presentation in half an hour. Oh. That oh. gets people anxious. That's worse. Yeah, yeah that's in a, a way. One. So oh. um, so we look at how stress can impact the remembering, how that differs also when people are distracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite like the hot coffee in the face, but mm-hmm. you know those are the principles we're interested Use in. Use it if you want. You don't sure. have to <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll be a co-author. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> you'll be responsible for it. Yeah. And, and you said that exercise can help memory? Yeah, so that's that's the one thing that has been really shown to improve memory. You know, and there's a lot of stuff out there like brain games, Sudoku, right. um, you know, and a lot of those games can help you get better at the game that you're playing, but it doesn't uh, uh, transfer right. over to things like remembering names and faces or where you put your keys. Got it. And the one thing that seems to really help memory is physical exercise. So even just walking three or four times a week for 40 minutes mm-hmm. can increase the size of your hippocampus. Wow. And the hippocampus is kind of the key part of the brain that's involved in most memory tasks. Uh-huh. And after the age of 50, it tends to decline by about 1% in volume. Damn. So you want to beef that thing up yeah. pre-50. Exactly. And I think most people think the way to do it is playing video games or brain games yeah. or crossword puzzles. Call of Duty. Right. Yeah. Something something that seems like the brain is working, but you know the brain just wants blood. It wants oxygen. It wants glucose. So vampire. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's sucking Everyone's it. Va- <laughs> so if you can, if you can get more blood flow to the brain, kind of more generally, you can improve memory. And, and in this study, the people who walked three or four times a week, after one year, they looked at the size of their hippocampus, and it, it had grown by 1%. So okay. it literally, your brain is growing. That's um, crazy. I yeah. love the idea that mall walkers are the smartest people we have. <laughs> yeah, window shoppers. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah. And you like know, 50 they, cent Chick-fil-A coffee. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. they eat crap, but I'll tell you what, yeah, right. they remember everything. <laughs> I think being in a social setting is helpful too if you're walking with a friend or mall walking, um, yeah. hiking. Does it make a difference how intense the exercise is? Like, because you're saying walking, but if you're lifting weights or yeah. if you're running, or, yeah, yeah, no, it's, right. a, it's a great question, and it's hard to study those things because at least walking is something most of us can do. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're into mountain biking or wakeboarding, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to randomly CrossFit, assign yeah. people to do those activities three or four times a week. But it, there is something just about physical exercise, and there probably is a dose response function. So the more you do, the better um, you're going to be. But Mm. I think the research also shows that the people who get the least amount of exercise tend to benefit the most. So, yeah. So because they are like not used to doing exercise. And Probably. so it has a bigger response. Exactly. So, so it's not like you need to be super fit mm-hmm. to do these things. Just getting out and walking three or four times a week can really boost your memory. And 20 laps of an old Navy and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. And you got a cool sweater. Yeah. <laughs> and you're warm in the winter. You're very aware of the sails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's why you biked here so that you can remember uh, yes. all of this crap you're talking about. I try and get exercise whenever I can, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's hard. Usually bike or? I usually bike. Yeah. I, I bike to my office and bike home. and It's I, so wild to me because I'm a wuss and afraid mm-hmm. to bike. I think that I will get hurt. I know that I will get hurt. And v- several experts have come in here as bikers. They've, they've, I mean, a biker sounds like a motorcycle <laughs> game, but you know what I mean? Bicyclists. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think you really do have to be careful, and L.A. is not always set up for the bicycle. And, right. You know, maybe we're just too cheap to pay for parking. I don't know what, I don't know I what don't the motivation is. I think you guys are like uh, secretly rebellious. Right. There's something badass in your blood. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> I do say so. Yeah, bikers are the the most hardcore people there in LA. You go, yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I think it's hardcore as all hell. Sure. I drive in a car and I'm scared constantly. <laughs> you know, you guys have no protection. Um, okay, so let's talk about this film. I absolutely adore this movie. I don't want to create a bias in the room if you guys didn't, mm-hmm. but I do want to know when did you first see the movie? What did you think of it? And let's start with Mr. Sleek and smart, <laughs> Winston Carter. Yeah, yeah, then you said the weird name at the end of that. Uh, I I can't remember when I first saw this, uh, but I I mean I saw it at some point in college. What year did it come it out? It came out two thousand four. Okay, yeah, yeah, I definitely saw it in college. Uh, it was everyone's favorite movie for a period of time. Yeah. I'm a fan. Great. Uh, yeah. What else did you want? <laughs> Just yeah. yeah I mean, obviously, I don't walk a lot. 
<laughs> can't remember what yeah. I just asked you. Yeah. No, just, yeah, what were your uh, thoughts on the film? Where does it, I don't know. Oh, I think it's really great. I think it's uh, obviously really visually stunning and very effective, and Jim Carrey's great in it. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie where I, I'll remember, like, oh, yeah, it's Jim Carrey. Weird. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> it just does not feel like him. And it feel, I'm like, it's great. It's just completely different. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. And I remember thinking I didn't, uh, the, I found, uh, what's her, not Rose McGowan, Kate Winslet. Uh, Kate Winslet, yeah. Man, yeah. I need to walk more. Uh, I found Kate, Kate Winslet, I think she's great in it, but I do find that, I'm like, oh, this is a person I would never want it. Like, these are two people who I don't want to be around. Right, yes. But I'm happy that they found each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, I thought. Both uh, actors did a tremendous yes. job. I mean, everybody in this movie yeah. was absolutely wonderful. Stacked with talent. Stacked with talent. Yes. Writing was incredible. The mm-hmm. directing, Michelle yep. Gondry is like bar none. Yes. Unbelievable. And again, I am <laughs> inserting my own opinions. Mm-hmm. Dr. Castell. I agree. I I thought it was a great movie, Mm -hmm. and actually it illustrates a nice memory principle that I can't remember exactly where I saw it either. Um, I know I saw it, you know, I had to go back and think, well, it's 2004, and I was probably in Toronto then, and I I feel Uh, like I saw it in a movie theater there. I know I saw it, um, but I went back and watched it again, and it's just terrific um, for for a number of reasons, and I loved all the memory principles that were, you know, discussed, and, you know, some of it is fantasy, and, you know, Jim Carrey funny guy. I think he's Canadian, too. So. Yes, he is Canadian. Are you from Toronto? I'm from near Toronto, so oh, wow. maybe that's why I like the movie. Love Toronto. Um, you been to Toronto, Winston? I have not. I've got, I'm uh, border Canadian, oh. but I've, I've only been to like... What does that rural, mean? Uh, my grandmother was born there. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. cool. Gotta visit. Quarter Canadian, that counts, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll count it. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I agree with you both. I just, I don't know. I've, I think this movie is absolute genius mm. and, uh, and really loved it. And so you weren't put off by the way that they were uh, showcasing the, the erasing memories you were you were into the concept I was interested in the concept I mean I don't think you're taking it at face value that this is what people can do it's meant to be kind of a fantasy or, yes. um, and I think people in many ways are interested in that starting with things like PTSD or other things that we don't want to remember but you know there's probably not a shortcut to doing it you know there's a lot of things that are stored in our brain that are very distributed so there's not one brain area that that's responsible for certain memories. Mm. So it'd be very hard to target just, you know, in this movie, a relationship you had for several months and erase just that relationship. Right. Um, but the, the principles are, are interesting. And I also think the forgetting component, we tend to forget things naturally. This might speed up the process, but we might never completely forget something. So... We might not forget the feelings we had towards someone or the, you know, if we go to a beach, a lot of feelings come rushing back to us. So memory is very cue dependent. Mm -hmm. And so even if you erased, you know, I I like the movie where they said, you know, this isn't going to give me brain damage, right? And the doctor said, well, technically this is like brain damage. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) Because, yeah, you know, if you brain, you know, he said it's like a night of heavy drinking. Um, Yeah. And so there are ways that you can interrupt and prevent people from remembering things. But it'd be very difficult to do it for a specific, you know, person over a long period of time. Got you. I have a factoid on that, actually. I looked up what a night of heavy drinking does. Uh, and you it had says, to look it up? I, <laughs> I looked it up uh, while I was looked drinking. It at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I found out that even in heavy drinkers, alcohol consumption doesn't kill brain cells, but it does, however, damage the ends of neurons called dendrites, which makes it difficult for neurons to relay messages to one another. Does that sound? That sounds reasonable. Okay. So don't worry about killing your brain cells, guys. Get drunk every (laughs) night. Is that good advice? (laughs) Well, I I think, you know, in terms of forming (laughs) memories, it can certainly prevent the formation of memories, and there's a lot of work on that, partly because it probably interrupts sleep. You know, you're not getting the good type of sleep that you really need if you want to consolidate memories. So, And that might be one reason, you know, exercise can be beneficial is it's not just helping you form memories, it's probably allowing you to sleep better. Mm. So everything's connected. Okay, I have two questions just based on what you just said. Number one, weed consumption. I was told, and I was talking to Winston about this a little bit, that when you are under uh, the influence of marijuana, that it is more difficult to create lasting memories. There's, you know, this is a, a 
booming area of research, clearly. Um, and there was some interesting research done almost 40 years ago that when people were intoxicated or were smoking marijuana, they had trouble remembering what they were doing later. Okay. But the twist is, and this is why memory is so fascinating, if you reinstate that context or the state you were in, you can then recall some of the information. Wow, that's an actual true okay. thing? Right. Okay, that... Have you seen the movie Beer Fest? I have seen that movie. Because <laughs> in that movie, they literally do a scene about that. Yeah. And it's the most ridiculous scene. But the, apparently there's oh, some boy. validity to there's that. There's definitely some support for it. Um, <laughs> wow. You know, I think, again, it's based on cues, right? Like, if you want to okay. remember something, just like when you go back to your high school, you remember certain things. So if you revisit the state you were initially in when you were forming the memory, uh-huh. then you might have a better chance at retrieving that, that memory. Oh, so kind of like, like jogging your memory is a thing. Literally, you're getting the cues that kind of promote, and even in this movie, I think when he goes back to the beach, or, you know, things come, memories come back to him. Uh Um, And so, you know, memory is very cue-driven. If we smell something, it reminds us of someone, something. Um, And so that's the same thing with marijuana, that, you know, that's that's one effect. I mean, clearly it can also lead to other sorts of changes in all sorts of things. But the physical state in which you encode something is really important based on whether you want to retrieve it. So it's not necessarily bad to smoke and study for a test, but when you're taking the test, you're going to want to get high again. You know, students often ask that sort of question, and I think probably uh, you know a more realistic thing is if you're studying and you're drinking a lot of coffee or caffeine, uh-huh. um, then it might make sense that test that you want to reinstate. You know that that you know the state you're this, in. The state you're in, and and people does have, coffee or caffeine affect your memory? It can certainly affect. Um, it, it can to stimulant, so it can affect uh, how vigilant you are, and I think that's why people tend to drink it. It keeps you vigilant and awake and alert. I'm drinking um, it right now, I'm trying to keep so, up with you guys. And in many ways, that can help you encode things. But again, if you're if you're tired later and it interrupts sleep, then it can actually That's impair problem. memory. Got it. Sounds like a real delicate little biosphere thing going on. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely. like, anything? All right, anything you do. <laughs> yes. Unless you, you have a something steak. more than water. Yeah. <laughs> Last night before the test, you gotta eat a steak tonight. <laughs> Make sure you bring a steak with you. <laughs> I find this del- All right, so if I was at a casino two weeks ago, <laughs> yep. I gotta be back at a casino right before. Yeah. That's the only way you'll yep. be able to perform your I script. Mean, I think humans are incredible because you, these effects might not be that huge or pronounced, but we can also just imagine things. So mm-hmm. instead of having to be back in that state or be back in that room, you just think back to that. Um, and so that's why we have a lot of control over what we can remember. And that's why sometimes therapeutic interventions can be effective because right. you have some control over where your mind is going to go. We're amazing. I mean, we're incredible creatures. Everyone's a miracle. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. So my question, the the second question based on that, uh, which this might be a silly one and feel free to say pass. Sleep obviously is going to, you know, you have good sleep, you're going to have better memory. Does it matter how or or how much does it matter when you wake up? Like the the, the phase of sleep you're in when you wake up? Because I can tell you, and this morning is an example, that I was in this like heavy REM sleep, very vivid dream. I was trying to accomplish a mission and I woke up to my alarm and was, you know, jarred. And so even if I got a good sleep, do you think that that can affect the way I remember certain things? I mean, it certainly could. I'm not a a sleep researcher, but the, you know, the quality of sleep you get and the duration are one things, but you know, it's also what time you wake up, whether you wake up, whether you're startled. Sometimes people have trouble remembering their dreams. That's very common. Right. But if you wake up kind of slowly out of a sleep, then you're more likely to be able to to retrieve those dreams. Yeah, there's certain apps now. I don't know if you guys know I about it. I use one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe you can tell me. I use one called Sleep Cycle that I swear by. It, it like yeah. supposedly it wakes you up when you're in like a calm, yeah, shallow it, phase. Yeah, it listens to you sleep and then wakes me up. Like it gives you a 30 minute range of time to wake you up. Right. And then it kind of and then it also evaluates how well you slept, which is really nice. Nice. Wow. And it's not perfectly accurate, but in general, if I'm like, oh. Uh, the earliest I'm willing to wake up is this time, so I'll set it 30 minutes after that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, like I usually end up waking up feeling pretty good comparatively to like a wow. standard alarm. Okay. Yeah. And you were mentioning before that you have a, a short that was about dreams. I wrote a short about erasing memories, wow. like similar to this, because I had read an article where they were saying they had come up with there was apparently some sort of drug, but they had to recreate 
they said the the foundational part was because they're hard to locate. They were trying to recreate like a similar instance to what the memory you're trying to delete is. Mm. And once they had you experiencing that, then they could kind of isolate that rough area. Okay. Where that is that correct? Is that like, yeah? That's yeah, that I mean that's really kind of cutting edge and exciting research. And sometimes it's referred to as reconsolidation. Mm. So it's almost like as you retrieve the memory, it's in this fragile state, and that's the state where you can then mess around with it, basically. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I read a real silly short about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where can people see the show? Uh, it's not out. It's not out. It's, not out. It's written. It's sitting on a page somewhere oh, okay. in my computer. Well, I guess stay and tuned. Now, someone else should write it and make it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, email uh, Winston. Yep, yep. I'll just that, send it to uh, you. For that. Buy the rights for zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Um, okay, so I want to talk about just getting over a relationship because that's one of the you know huge things in this movie is that they both, in different times, want to erase the other one because it's like so painful, and I'm sure we've all been through stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe not all of us, but I surely have. Yeah, I don't have connections with people, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, great. So that's lucky. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I'll sit this part out. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, uh, towards the beginning here, basically getting rid of her stuff, like basically mm-hmm. turning it yeah. into them saying, you know, these are all the things that remind me of her, so get them out of my brain. And it's something that normally people do. Like if something's around your house that reminds you of your ex, you don't want that around anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that to you guys and say, is that something that you've done? Or do you have advice maybe for somebody that is getting over uh, their loved one? I've done it. Uh, me and my current girlfriend had a breakup for the day at one point. Ooh. And when I got home, I took all her pictures of her both of us and hid them in a DVD case. Wow, day like one. I, like I took the, well, no, because I was just like, I was like, oh, this is for real and put them all in there and closed it and then like shoved it in the back of my entertainment center. Okay. And then I couldn't find them. Like we got back together the next day, could not find them. Were you them. intoxicated at the time? No, I was sober. I was okay. sober, just very emotional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've done that. I've gone through that, right? Okay, That's, okay. I think pretty standard. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And it was effective. I mean, it you guys was, got back together, so I don't know. We got know. back together, yeah. I think it's probably, I'm also a firm believer in like, if they're really in your life, everything's going to, like, what's the difference? Yeah, pictures mm. are not great, but right. like, yeah, I'm going to look at my TV and be like, that's the TV we used to watch stuff on. I'm not going to throw my TV out. I'm not a lunatic. Right, so, right. So I don't, I'm sure it's very effective, but I don't go to that great of length yeah, about okay. it. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I've had experiences as well, and I think it's frustrating because we often think we want to improve memory, and people are concerned that they can't remember, you know, they experience forgetting, but in these cases, you actually want to move on and forget things. So I think it shows how memory is very cue-driven, like there are reminders, but the reminders don't need to just be objects. They can just be thoughts or, you know, even the movie you saw, it reminds you of someone else. But, you know, time does really heal all wounds, and I think that's part of the forgetting process. And, you know, sometimes you can speed it up by removing these cues and maybe not living in the same apartment or city. Mm-hmm. Um, but with enough time, you don't access the information as frequently. It's not as strong. Um, and that's, I think, what's neat about this movie. It's almost like they want to accelerate that mm. process. Right. When you say time, you mean time. That's a abbreviation for time spent walking, right? The more you walk, the more you can forget. Yeah, that's a different the more you learn. <laughs> yeah. The more you are. Yeah. You're able to forget now on purpose. Um, okay, so I have a few things here, and I wanted your take on I don't know if you're aware of it or not. You probably are. Uh, so, number one, Theodore Berger of uh, USC. Do you know this man? No. Okay. Uh, Theodore, make yourself yeah. more known. Yeah, Ted Berger. Uh, Ted Berger is developing a uh, prosthesis? Prosthesis? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. To restore memory by replacing a circuit in the brain's hippocampus, which is already successful in rats and is now being tested on humans. Fascinating. I mean, it's it's in some ways it's science science fiction coming to life, but. Yeah. You know, there have been a lot of attempts to do these sorts of things, um, and it just shows how complex the human brain is. You can stimulate parts of the brain to activate memories, Mm -hmm. um, but it's very hard to then kind of insert new hardware that allows kind of the formation of new memories to be stored. Okay. Um, And you're you're talking about, uh, like, these cues, right? Like, bringing up a cue in that way that somebody will remember a certain thing. Yeah, so some of them are cues, some of them could be music, sometimes it's stimulation of the brain, and a lot of this is 
is done in, in animals, you know, stimulating fear responses. Right, in, yeah, that was one animals. of the, yeah, the fearful memories prompted by a sound yeah. associated with an electric shock yeah. can make them, I don't know, remember stuff, I guess. Yeah, and that's the kind of work that, that I think is illuminating because it shows how you can kind of retrieve a memory and then maybe do something to almost erase it or reduce the likelihood that it'll come back. Wow. Um, and so that's why some of the, these principles are not that far-fetched, especially what's in the movie. Yeah. But at present, the human brain is so complex, and, and the, the memories that you're working with are so broad and, and kind of emotional mm-hmm. that it's hard to say it's just this part of the brain, or if we just cut these circuits, you won't be able to you know, remember that. And the truth is you probably won't be able to remember a whole bunch of other things as well. So, right. Yeah, that was a yeah, leading fear. You lose the word for water sure. while also forgetting. Yeah. 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 Okay. I was uh, shocked to learn that, uh, I mean, not super shocked, but that uh, what they're doing with these mice is giving them cocaine and getting rid of their memories associated with it because they want to be able to help people that are addicted to drugs. But I was just surprised that we're still giving mice cocaine. That's a common practice. <laughs> still is the thing. Right? Like, yeah, back in the old days. It seems antiquated. <laughs> we still have yeah. so much cocaine in these labs. What's going on here, doctor? I think it's just a way to motivate lab animals to do your task and to ensure they're stimulated and the sugar doesn't work or butter you know, you, cheese is the comment what's up with cheese I love cheese <laughs> if you want something that's highly addictive that will probably lead to a very strong memory trace and then oh, you want to yeah, work with sense. that um, but it also does have applications for you know drug addiction in humans and how you can try and kind of er- not erase these memories but reduce that kind of need or the fix based on you know past experiences okay. and they started the rats on weed right and yeah Work their way up, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so you you 100% condone uh, coked out mice. Yeah. You're down with that. <laughs> well, I think anything for, for scientific research, I think that's it's one procedure that can be very effective. Okay, you heard it here. Yeah. Dr. Alan B. Castell uh, loves uh, <laughs> mice on heroin. I didn't say it, he did. Uh, I read memories are stored in what is known as an engram, which consists of brain cells that fire in a particular pattern. Is that real? Yeah, that's that's the terminology that's been used for quite some time, that we don't really know how a memory is stored. Um, so this concept that there's probably some synchrony in the brain cells that fire, mm-hmm. and that's why sometimes we remember a memory accurately, and sometimes when the firing's off just a little bit or influenced by other activity, we start to misremember things. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's almost people talk about in terms of a memory trace and that trace can become more kind of cloudy or less accurate over time. Yeah. Uh, I know that word engram from the game Assassin's Creed. Okay. <laughs> which I'm like, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that's the actual <laughs> name for that. Well, how did they, how Man, was it feel utilized good. in the uh, game? That game is the idea that your memories are stored in your DNA in engrams, but they're in your DNA is the basis of that game. Okay. Uh, but I was like, engram? Well, well, I know that word. So they can access them yeah, and then the whole game is you are someone sitting in a lab accessing your ancestors' like uh, memories. Okay. So your ancestor was this assassin. You're just some dude laying down on like yeah. a weird future table. Okay, yeah. so you are a new assassin sent yeah. back to kill people. Yeah, you're like that- you're like completing their memories so they can find out information. It gets guys. There's like a whole like there's Atlantean a bunch of myth part of it, <laughs> and now they're pirates. I'm getting us very <laughs> off topic, uh, but this seems cool though. But they have the word. Engram. Okay. Oh, great games. Great games. Solidly recommend. But And it's all based on science. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they all, use engrams. It's all basically true is what we found. <laughs> yeah. But engrams, not in our DNA, just yeah. in our, it's just a terminology? I, I think it's a term that's used mm. to kind of discuss how people store memories, and, okay. and a lot of this is still unknown. Mm. Gotcha. What's weird is you didn't say no. Yeah, I heard <laughs> that. Uh, so you'll take that cool. as yes. Yeah. Cool. That game's real, and I'm going to play uh, it and tell people I'm studying history. Yeah, that's basically what you're doing. <laughs> um, you're going back in time historically. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask you guys, this is a very silly one, but at one point, uh, Joel, played by Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. uh, gets on the floor and pretends to be dead and like puts ketchup on his throat and mm-hmm. is trying to evoke a response uh, in Clementine. And I did something similar to this when I was little mm-hmm. to my father, and I'll never forget it because he became very alarmed and upset. I've put like a red shampoo on me and then he encountered me in the bathroom and was just uh, you know extremely upset and told me very seriously never to do this again and so 
I don't know. I wanted to ask you guys if you have ever done something like this to freak someone out. (laughs) What you're really asking is, please make sure I'm not alone in this. Yeah, exactly. Like, you guys have done this too, right? Uh, Yeah, I have not done that. Okay. Uh, I have played, like, weird pranks on... I like to hide. I've hidden, like, people will be coming over and I'll just hide for a little while. I'll do that so it's maybe a less extreme version of what you've done. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll, like, not find me. I'm like, hi, I was hiding. I'm like, yeah, I didn't play it on you hiding. So... Cool prank. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've certainly done things like that. I can remember okay. when I was a child, um, you know, growing up in Canada, snow forming on a metal railing outside our front door. That just looked so good that I had to lick it off the metal railing. Okay. And a little dumb and dumber. Y- uh, yeah. Ugh. So you might, you know, you can expect what would happen, but when you're like seven or eight, you're not thinking like that. Uh-huh. And I, I think the funny thing is, is so my tongue got stuck, and, you know, luckily my parents came and brought some boiling water and my you know, mm. fixed it, but probably about six months later, I did it again. <laughs> wow. So it just shows that even if you have memory for this traumatic event, you, at least in my case, aren't smart enough to, you know, access it again. So. And that was July in Canada. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's still freezing. Yeah, I think part of my tongue is still on that railing, in fact. <laughs> I, I appreciate you attempting to comfort me, <laughs> Castell, but your Stand example of a prank was a, a mistake that you made yes. twice. Yeah. Uh, you did not prank your parents. Yeah, I don't know if I can remember those <laughs> those instances. Maybe yeah. I've suppressed them. Uh, nothing comes to mind right away. You'd yeah. be the worst little boy in Canada. That's what we're discovering. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. it, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I felt terrible. I've, you know, I did like the salt one too, where you like really, you loosen up the, the top of a salt shaker and then like oh. a family member of mine put salt on something and a bunch of salt came out, ruined their meal. And it was not funny. Yeah. But don't prank people, yeah. I guess is my advice here. I think as you get older, that prank stops being, you're like, that's like 15 bucks. Yeah. Why would you throw away someone's 15 bucks? Uh, not only is this not funny, but you're a dick yeah. now. I will not forget this. Um, okay, so I have another one here from Dr. Helen Fisher. Um, I was looking up like just heartbreak and how our emotions affect our memory and stuff like that. And uh, she says that uh, romantic love experiences are way below the emotional center and in fact are not emotions at all, but rather a powerful drive and need that is shared by all human beings. She saying that love is a, quote, goal-oriented motivational state, like cocaine or nicotine. She's saying coke is like love? That's what she's <laughs> That's saying. just here? I more, or at least more right. like coke than uh, our more basic like emotions, hate. like, right. I get that. That tracks for me. That makes sense, because yeah. we, like, keep going back to it for mm-hmm. a reward yeah, Even system. when you get... Yeah. And it's also, like, that love can, like, inspire all of the other emotions. Right. Whereas, like, I don't... I've never hated something so much I loved it. But I've loved something so much I hated it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. Like threatened yeah. to. Yeah. And a Coke, I felt all those things about. <laughs> I, have I feel them right it. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never done Coke? Uh, not not yet. Okay, not yet. I say that about everything, though. Not yet. Hey, it, yeah. the day's just getting started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not yet today. <laughs> um, okay, great. You have you. I you, have weird questions. Yeah, I have please. some very specific questions. No, come on. Uh, I want to get into. All right. Love it. Scientifically. <laughs> great start. Is sand overrated? Oh, <laughs> starts right at the top of the movie. That is a good one. I need to know the scientific answer. Yeah, he is says. Is sand overrated? What does he say? It's like it's just a bunch of small rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I caught that. I thought that was very insightful. I don't. I wasn't sure if he was kind of. You know, there's a lot of potential analogies in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like sand used to be rocks, so our memories kind of degrade over time, mm-hmm. and what's Ooh. left are sand. And then there was ice in the movie too, when they were laying yes. on the ice, but the ice was cracked, which mm-hmm. again yeah. could signal. Fire memory gets kind of fragmented over time. Wow. Okay, but it's a very I, sidestepping answer. I need a direction. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, in a more yeah. shallow way, do you like the beach? Yeah. The sand is uh, certainly could be overrated. Okay, okay. all right. Hey. But a yes next to that one. <laughs> Official. That's my profe- professional opinion. <laughs> yeah. Good Stop all right. making a big deal out of sand, people. Second question. Yep. Elijah Wood's character is creepy. Patrick. Patrick. Yes. Agreed. Uh, okay, good. Scientifically, would you agree? <laughs> second half of that I question. have no basis for that, but I, yeah, I, I think he, yeah, creepy in a number of ways. Right? Yeah. Man, what a weirdo. Yeah, but Maybe yeah. that's good acting. Oh, yeah. it's great acting, I think. I, no, I think everybody, again, the acting is great, but also yeah. just these decisions yeah. are sketch, real yeah. sketch. Mm. I think I, it's also creepy just, you know, you're erasing someone's memory, but then while you're erasing their memory, mm. you're going to befriend them. Yeah. 
That's, right. That seems like you breaking know, a million ethical rules. Exactly. I'm assuming, correct. So, so I think that adds to the creepy component. Yeah. Well, and not to mention stealing underwear. And yeah, that he drops that so fast, and I just, I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's the end of the movie, right? I that's know. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of improv also in the movie, and so I'm not sure what was written, what wasn't. But I know there was a line because I had the subtitles on, and there was a line where he's telling uh, Stan, Mark Ruffalo's character, he was after this uh, admission of underwear theft. Mm-hmm. He tells him, "There's more. There's more. Like, I, I want to admit more stuff to yeah. you." And he's telling him, "Like, no, no stop. No, yeah, no, I'm yeah, not." Yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. So he's clearly a yeah deranged fellow. Uh, I did have one more question. This Please. is a legitimate one. I love it. Is can you wake yourself up from a dream? Is that a thing? Oh, because that ha- that's a major plot point in I believe the second act of this movie. Right. He's trying to yeah. wake himself up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know to be honest. I'm not a sleep okay. researcher, okay. but I know in sleep research they do ask you to kind of keep a journal of your dreams and often ask you to wake up when you've had a dream and I'm always thinking you know I think it's interesting I've certainly had dreams where I have this idea that it's a dream Mm -hmm. and so I realize that whatever happens it's not going to happen to me Mm -hmm. and that almost puts me at ease (laughs) it's like the best kind of dream where 20% of you knows it's a dream so even if you do that great skateboarding trick and hurt yourself it's just a dream but you're still gonna do it that's most of your dream skateboarding skateboarding. see I told you internal (laughs) badass that's cool dude (laughs) that's cool you bike everywhere dream about skateboarding I don't remember this guy's guy's the man (laughs) I sometimes I'll get like an instant replay type effect like I'll do something in a dream and become aware that I'm dreaming and be like oh I could have done that better I'll do this a different way and then be able to somehow replay what happened but usually it gets all fucked up I've only had dreams where I remembered fall I fell in love with someone who I don't know very well in the dream and I have a girlfriend that I live with love her to death absolutely had a weird dream woke up and was like oh am I in love with this person and then was like no man it's a dream you don't have to feel that way yeah (laughs) and then have 20 minutes of like oh that wasn't real okay because my body feels all weird yeah yeah or like those ones where you're falling and you wake up and you feel like you just hit the bed. Am I possessed? <laughs> Answer that. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, scientifically, am I possessed? <laughs> um, okay, here's another one. Uh, unless you have another. No, that's 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 all of my questions. <laughs> that was your big uh, <laughs> curiosities during this film. <laughs> so there was a study in 2010 conducted at the University of Kentucky that examined the connection and possible overlap between physical pain and emotional pain. I know this is on the outskirts of your research here. But uh, they gave subjects, I don't know how to say this word, acetaminophen. It's like what's in Tylenol. We've all seen that word a million Acetaminophen? times. Acetaminophen? I've seen a medophen. Thank you. you. Uh, drug addict, uh, yeah, yeah, Winston yeah. Carter. <laughs> Ooh, give me some of that Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave uh, a bunch of people that. And uh, and so, you know, they had these two groups, like the control group and, you know, like a placebo, uh, whatever. And so people, it was just people that had hurt uh, feelings. And so they gave people this Tylenol, pronounce it for me? Acetaminophen. Acetaminophen. And they said that there was a noticeable reduction in these quote, hurt feelings Mm -hmm. on a regular basis, like day to day. And so what they're trying to prove is that our brain centers can't tell the difference between emotional pain and physical pain. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. So essentially, I guess they're saying if you're sad or heartbroken, (laughs) just take take some Tylenol or yeah, whatever yeah, has acetaminophen. I I don't know. Have you heard any? I've certainly like heard of this research, and some Ooh. of it was done at UCLA. Okay. Um, and I think it's very thought provoking because it suggests that physical pain and emotional pain share neural substrates. And in a way, that's striking. But in a way, it's also like we we only have so much room in our brain, and there should be some overlap. Anytime you feel pain in general, mm-hmm. um, it's going to lead to you know physical pain, emotional pain. You know, people say, "How are you feeling?" And you say you f- you feel like down, but you also feel hurt. Yeah. So true. I, I, there's certainly some overlap, but I think you have to be careful to then interpret that that since it's the same part of the brain or sharing the same system that you can take some sort of drug that will then prevent these symptoms because a lot of the emotional pain is a result of something different than the physical pain. Right. Um, so yes, it could dull the pain, but it's not going to dull the source and where it's coming from, and, and that's where you know the brain probably does differentiate at some level. Okay. Can I can I ask a I, I have a question. Uh, so if I like break my arm, right, uh, my body has a way of coping with that where I will not remember it as bad as it was. Is that something? Is that something we can reproduce for? 
um, like for emotion? That's like, a great like, question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like how could you, you know, the body is adaptive and that yeah. sometimes even when you hurt yourself, it, it doesn't hurt as much, as much as it does an hour or two later. So the body is playing kind of tricks on you. And yeah, I think a lot of our memories we do downplay like, you know, it hurts when it happens or a week later, but, you know, three years later, you realize it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Yeah. And so is that a trick? Because during the time, it's as bad as you thought it was. And so I think forgetting does play, you know, necessary tricks on us, you know, being able to get over things. But it feels like, like with like, so like a romantic pain or that kind of emotional pain, I could keep reliving it, which then means it feels like it keeps happening. Right. Is that, so then that like, oh, that's still fresh, even though, whereas like if I broke my finger, it's yeah. healed and I'm past it. Sometimes the reliving part may make you get over it faster. Oh, so really? it's, it's, you know, it's again, this reconsolidation. Mm-hmm. Each time you're bringing the memory to mind, it can, it can potentially strengthen the memory, but it can also alter it. Okay. And so I think a lot of people who've gone through difficult times or, you know, divorce, it hurts and then it stops hurting. And it's not because you've been ignoring it. It's probably because you've been dealing with it for so long. And then the flip side are, are issues that we haven't been dealing with, that we haven't been, you know, retrieving or talking about. Those can stay with us for a long time because we haven't done anything with them. I think, yeah, that that rings true big time for me. I feel like if you communicate and you're able to relive these things, reconstruct the memories, then you're kind of taking the power away from them, right? Exactly. If I tell the story where I'm the good guy so many times. <laughs> no, Eventually. Yeah. yeah. And I had no. Sure. Yeah. The dangerous yeah. move yeah. is the other way, is, yeah. is hiding from it, yeah. right? And I think that, you know, getting back to the movie, that was probably, I thought, one effective part is they actually started to say, look, we both wanted to do this or forget now we mm. don't want to. And that might actually allow them to get past it or get back together whatever happens Um, whereas if you just you know, seek some sort of wacky therapy or some brain damage, you actually, it might be hurting you in the long run. These things could come back and haunt you 10 years later because they haven't been resolved. Right. See, I kind of took like, uh, yeah, there's no easy way out is the kind of, like the point of it is like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to erase the fact that you're attracted to a person. Sure. And so it's it, just going to erase all the, the stuff you learned. And in fact, it could then all happen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is not does a, happen. Yeah. It happens with the, uh, I can't remember the character's name, the doctor. Oh, right. And uh, Kristen Dunst. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. to show that even though they tried this and it seemed to work, now it's reappearing again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. In watching it, I was like, oh, it shows like every version of what this, like yeah. it really explores, like in good sci-fi, it really explores that concept in mm-hmm. multiple ways. Yeah. And I had forgotten that about this movie and was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty deep. This movie kind of gets mm-hmm. it. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, definitely deep. And if you're not at least a little emotional or mm-hmm. like teary eyed yeah. by the end, I don't know what's the matter with you. Yeah. You got to talk about your memories uh, big time. Um, okay, yeah, I, so I thought the last 20 minutes were amazing, and, and oh, especially man. when you had to hide his memory of her mm-hmm. somewhere. Yes. So he went yeah. back to his childhood. Yep. I thought it was just brilliant. really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Okay, two things here, and, and we're, we're going in for the close a little bit. But number one, and I feel comfortable enough with you to say this now, you sound a lot like a character from this film, David Cross. David, am I mistaken yeah, no, I here? His voice is that. very yep. David Cross. I don't know if you do impressions, but that would be one that I <laughs> yeah. would get down if I were you. Okay, I'll work on that. I don't know the movie, but I'll put it on my list. He plays the boy. There's like a boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, the, his friends, Joel's friends. He goes. Mm-hmm. If, Who has he, the, he has the airplane, right? He has the RC airplane. Uh, yeah. He's oh, building so, yeah. a birdhouse yeah. in another scene. Oh, like, yeah. Jane, I'm building a birdhouse. Yeah. David Cross sure. Mr. Show fame. Absolutely. Uh, Arrested Development oh, fame. Okay, of course yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, I, yeah yes. I spotted him in that movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like you said I was like going it. for the haircut too. As well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there is a, you, you got kindred spirits. Okay. And then number two, obviously, we mentioned exercise a few times to improve memory. Are there any other tricks of the trade, things that you've learned that will help people along their aging journey. How much milk do I have to drink to (laughs) remember better? I often say it's almost like the ABCs of successful aging, and A is for attitude, because if you have a positive attitude about aging, you're more likely to do things like walk and socialize. Um, And B is balance, and I think balance is really important. There's not one thing to do to age well. There's probably many things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having balance in your life, as well as physical balance, 
we always think about memory. That's what we're worried about uh, as we get older. But the truth is, after the age of 60, I think one in three people will experience a fall. And that results in, you know, broken hip, broken collarbone, hospitalization. Mm -hmm. Then you're not walking. And if you're not walking, your memory starts to decline. Wow. So it's really, you know, I think having good balance is almost more important than having good memory. Whoa. Um, Work on your core. There you go. Yeah. And the last one is connect. And that's being connected to people. Um, Socializing is important. Um, Connecting with the things that you really care about, whether it's a hobby, whether it's an activity. Um, And and that keeps people kind of healthy and happy. These are eerily close to how to survive a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) And I can't. Because you're like, you're like, all right, so you have to be able to walk. Yeah, to escape zombies. Absolutely. You have to have a good attitude. Yeah, because it's zombies. Yeah, without hope. And you have to connect with people. Yeah, because alone you'll die from zombies. Yeah, I think that's a good way to remember it. Then. There's yep. a lot of overlap. Well, it's great as long as you remember zombies. Yeah, and I think we've learned what you're most afraid of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. <laughs> um, okay, well, I thank you both for being here. Uh, we typically have a little plugs section here at the end. Is there uh, something you want to let people know about, Winston? Where can people find you? Yeah, I'm online uh, at, uh, at Winstonius. Uh, can I plug another podcast? Yeah, I, absolutely. I host a podcast called Try It, You'll Like It, where we serve people food they hate. Oh, cool. Uh, so you can listen to that. I just and, learned yeah. uh, jumping off that uh, my my father hates broccoli, yeah. and so he if he's ever on the podcast, oh, you, can give crush him, it. you can give him broccoli. Make but broccoli I just tests. learned that broccoli sprouts can like decrease your risk of cancer by some f- exponential amount. It's they like have an like a thing? bunch of yeah. There was like a, yeah. a, a radiation area where like a bunch of people died from a nuclear fallout or mm-hmm. something. But this one guy didn't die because he was eating broccoli all the time. <laughs> so I thought that was fascinating. He also was wearing a radiation suit. Yeah, he was underground. <laughs> yeah, he had lead line. Clothes, so he was fine. So, anyways, uh, in case somebody, thank you. I don't no, know, thank you. That's doesn't a good like tip. broccoli. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find me. And it's called Try It. Try It. You'll like it. Try It. You'll like it. Yeah, super rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Try It. You'll like it. Yes. Yep. That's it. Perfect. Okay. That's exactly how it's supposed to be said. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, Winston Carter. Thank you so much, uh, Doctor Castell. People should get your book. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in successful aging, I wrote a book on how to age well, and it deals with some of the myths of that surround aging, some of the negativity, and what sorts of activities we can do and things we can do so that we live a long and healthy life. Great. And it's the it's better with age, the psychology of successful aging. That's right. Okay, great. They can get it on Amazon or whatnot. Please do. Or probably a bookstore. Can they get it in the bookstores? If you can find one. <laughs> okay. Go, go hunting in a bookstore, guys. Mom and pop shops. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. Thank you guys so much. Well, See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger. And the Engram, that's E-N-G-R-A-M, producer is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show. Or feel free to send us an email, badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Let us know what you think about the show, any movies we should do in the future. I always appreciate getting your emails. And, of course, leave us an iTunes review. That lets other people hear about the show and I'll see you all next week. Bye.